today on Fuzzy Logic. We're talking about the cup of joe, the liquid black stuff, the good thing to start your day. We're talking about your cup of coffee. What's in it? What makes it so good? We're going to explore that today right here on Fuzzy Logic. Morning, Canberra, and welcome to Fuzzy Logic, your science on a Sunday, coming to you from the 2XXFM studios. My name is Broderick, and it's a pleasure to have you with us today and joining me in the studio for our Science on a Sunday conversations is Phoebe. Good morning, Phoebe. Oh, good morning. <laughs> have you had your cup of coffee this morning? You oh, sound tired. Wait, where is it? Much better. Much better. That, that's one of my pet peeves is people who say they can't get started with a ca- without a cup of coffee in the morning. I'm I like, agree. Just, just wake up. Just wake yourself. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Although we might we might explore today how uh, how coffee can, uh, as I reach for my own coffee, how, <laughs> <laughs> how, how coffee really does affect you to get going uh, and that sort of thing because it's really quite interesting. Uh, so look, I, let's let's cut the small talk. Let's just jump into it. Hey. Okay, well, I want to know, what, what kind of coffee do you drink? What kind of coffee? I drink a long black coffee. Oh, yeah. that's a bit serious. It, it is. Well, it's one of those things uh, that's something that I've developed over a period of time. Um, the, the main reason I started drinking black... Well, the, the reason I started drinking coffee in the first place was because I worked in a cafe. Um, before that point, I hadn't really drunk coffee. Uh, so you drank it because it was there? Well, because I was making it, um, you know, I had to kind of taste it to see what I was doing, well, whether so I was making good stuff. you've been a barista. Stuff. I have been a barista. Oh. I, look, that's... That's uh, stretching the term. I I made coffees is what I tend to say. You made Uh, a brown hot liquid? Yeah, basically because the cafe that I worked in uh, wasn't, particularly known for its coffee we we served a lot of uh, older clientele who who just like to have you know a brown liquid to, to sit and drink and talk with others over um and we were we were king of the uh, 90s style cappuccino which is the one where you just have piles of foam on top we were really good at those we could and make the chocolate on top of the foam oh and the chocolate on top of the foam as well of course yeah yeah, yeah. that's the the super important part um but in terms of like actually thinking about how the beans were roasted and that sort of thing. No, no, we really didn't do that um, at all. But, yeah, but when I started there, I started drinking milk coffees because that's what everyone seemed to drink, and so flat white was my drink of choice. Uh, until for my work, I started travelling quite a lot, uh, presenting in schools. And I don't know if you know this about small children, Phoebe, but when you present in schools, you deal with a lot of small children, and small children have a lot of germs, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so whenever I'd go on the road, I'd start to get sick, and and it would generally take the form of some coldy type thing, and I'd be getting very mucusy and that sort of thing. And mucus and talking don't go well together. Um, a delightful picture you're painting. Yeah, for I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And and so this was actually something that I got taught by a. Um, a uh, we did some training with a professional speaker uh, and they said that uh, dairy is really bad for, for flemminess and so if you are blocked up, cut out the dairy. So the, most of the time I was drinking coffee was while I was on the road because I was 
uh, quite tired, <laughs> um, but I'd be drinking uh, milky coffee. So I just cut out the milk. Um, and started drinking black coffee. And it probably took about a good four weeks on the road before I actually started in really enjoying the black coffee. Um, but now... See, that all makes sense, though, because, yeah. I mean, I, I would say uh, I started drinking green tea because I was too lazy to buy milk at work to have black tea with milk <laughs> and just was like, it's so much quicker to do green tea. Well, but coming back to coffee... Mm. I'm a latte girl. You're a latte. Mm -hmm. ah. I love milky coffee. It's too strong otherwise. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's an interesting thing about what um, what adding the the various things actually does because I mean, with a, a long black coffee, it's not just pure coffee you're putting in there. So the mix there for a long black coffee is a, a shot of espresso coffee. So it's generally about. Uh, I'm trying to remember now, 50, 50 to 80 mils, I think. is. Where's a, your training? Come on. Yeah, think. yeah no, I should know uh, uh, that. But it's, it's around 50 to 80 mils of, of coffee straight from the machine. And then uh, in a long black, you top it up with water. Um, because that's that's the way you do it. You um, you don't want that strong shot of a single coffee, but you, you want to have something you can drink. So, you know, coffee, water is a long black, or as they call it in most places overseas, an Americano, because uh, that's how the Americans drink their coffee. Um, but uh, the latte is, is a similar thing again, where you add a shot of coffee and then dilute it with milk instead. Uh, so, I mean, in, mo in both cases, you really are diluting it. But I guess that's that's the uh, the difference between the two, is that the creaminess of the, the milk in the coffee does... Uh, make a difference well it really describes my personality you know i'm creamy i'm delicious whereas you're just you know bitter <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you thank you that's uh that's good way to break the ice. yeah yeah that's right that's right i mean it's yeah Look, I, I, there are studies that are done on these sorts of things, but uh, I, I'm, I'm happy with my choices. I, I, I like my coffee. To be honest, I feel like I can um, taste more of, uh, of what's going on in the, uh, the coffee itself. But, of course, different flavours mean different things to different people. So that's well, that does. and you go to the fancy places and they tell you that your coffee's got hints of raspberry, orange, guava, and <laughs> spaghetti. And it just it just tastes like coffee to me. Yeah, yeah. But maybe that's all the milk just tarnishing, tarnishing. and destroying the hard work. Well, it's, it's interesting. So if we look at coffee as a... Uh... As a chemical, I guess. Well, coffee isn't just one chemical. If we look at a coffee and break it down, there's about a thousand chemicals in a typical cup of coffee. Mm. Yeah, I know. It makes it sound so appetizing. But of course, <laughs> I mean, this is, we're, we're grown up to think that chemicals are bad things, that they're, they're horrible things. But in reality, uh, chemicals uh, is just a name for different types of molecules, you know, and, and an apple is filled with uh, hundreds of chemicals itself, even though it's a naturally grown product. It's just all those chemicals that give it a, its flavor. And so for coffee, you know, those thousand chemicals help contribute to the uh, interesting palate and, and, and taste that you get from a cup. Um, and, you know, scientists haven't actually identified all those chemicals in there because there's a lot of them and, and some of them in quite small amounts. But uh, That and they probably got to a thousand and were like, look, can we... Can we do something else for a while? Well, I'm, yeah. I'm really tapped out on identifying everything that's in a cup of coffee. Yeah, uh, but I, I guess the main one in a cup of coffee that we think about is uh, caffeine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what, you, you, you're excited about caffeine. Yeah, though, I mean, personally, before we get into actually the details of a caffeine, uh, 
I find it's very strange. Some days I'll drink it and I will feel awake, productive, ready to go. Then I'll crash. <laughs> or I'll drink it and feel mad. I'll just feel so out of control, like uh, anxiety, high, feel like I could shoot lightning out of my fingertips, jittery, not productive at all. Yeah. Just a series of other symptoms that uh, are entertaining for others, but but not for my inner workings. Well, it's interesting that your body has those different responses to it because it's uh, caffeine is a drug. Like, there's no no denying that. It's a uh, it's probably one of the most widely consumed psychoactive drugs in the world. Um, but it, it's as most drugs, you know, the effect it has on your body will depend on on what your body is doing and how it's metabolizing the drug and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, in caffeine, you've got things uh, that it does enhance your perception, reduces your fatigue, uh, conversely increases your ability to stay awake, and can also uh, help improve your long term memory too. Um, and uh, caffeine's also linked to boosting your me- metabolic rate and energy expenditure. Um, so, you know, it keep, keeps you going with that energy and, and keeps your body pumping around a bit, qu- a bit quicker than it should. Uh, so there's lots of interesting things there. And, and maybe uh, after the next song, we might explore uh, caffeine a little bit further and go into the effects on the body. But I want to look at other chemicals that are in the, that cup of coffee for now. Um, the other one that we have there is uh, one of the most common ones is chlorogenic acids. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good cup of chlorogenic acids in the morning. <laughs> it really rolls off the tongue. <clears throat> Yeah, indeed, indeed. So there's about uh, 45 different versions of these that have been found in coffee. Uh, they're also known as phenolic compounds. Um, and uh, and so they, they're actually, you know, positive things in the coffee. Uh, they've been linked to lower risks of uh, cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. Uh, they've also been shown to have anti-inflammatory and antibacterial properties. So, you know, doing good stuff in there and, and helping you, you feel good, as well as, um, you know, making uh, different uh, tastes and, and smells from there and, and making it more interesting for you. So in terms of benefits of coffee, Mm. um, I did some reading and I read something that said there have been more than 19,000 studies on caffeine and coffee in the last 30 years, and most of which have been aimed to uncover the drug's exact effects on the human body. And one of the most thorough and exhaustive studies was done by Harvard University involving 126,000 people over an 18-year period. And honestly... Most of the studies and the surveys and all this exhaustive research sort of come up with a big sort of shrug your shoulders like, well, it, it, it could be a bunch of things, but it also could be a bunch of other things. I don't know if you've noticed, it seems every second day a news article will pop up saying coffee has been found to solve Alzheimer's or improve Alzheimer's or the next day coffee found to limit life expectancy if you drink more than 80 cups a day, you know, this sort of thing. And it just seems... It hasn't quite been pinned down in terms of all the exact benefits, but there definitely are some. And I, I think people need to remember that. Uh, everything in moderation. Uh, but some of these studies talk about... Uh, so regular coffee drinkers were 80% less likely to develop Parkinson's disease. Um, two cups a day reduced subjects' risk for colon cancer by 20%. Two cups a day caused an 80% drop in the odds of developing cirrhosis. And two cups a day cut the risk of developing gallstones in half. And studies have also suggested that caffeine is beneficial in treating asthma, stopping headaches, boosting mood, and even preventing cavities. 
all the good things. That's right. And I think that's that's the interesting thing about most of these studies. They're all showing uh, different stuff because it's so hard to study uh, things in humans and work out what's going on because humans aren't all the same. The uh, same with coffee, as we were just saying. Yeah, well, There's yeah. so many different chemicals and varieties and... You know, I think we'll get on to talking about ways that they're processed and brewed and there's a huge variety in, in how it's done and, and uh, what that can mean. But I, I think the, the key takeaway from all these studies is as much as there are lots of benefits of coffee, and there are, uh, if you're still drinking your cup of coffee with, you know, milk and uh, cream and 12 sugars, probably not going to see the benefits of drinking the coffee. Mm. So let's just remember what we're putting in the drink yeah, well. that's, right. that's right. That makes a huge difference to it too. Um, yeah, so those uh, those range of chemicals doing good and bad things, but uh, who knows? Uh, the other the other chemicals that we do find in there are some of the bitter compounds too, um, like uh, trigonelline, uh, which is a, an alkaloid compound that's quite bitter, and some diterpenes uh, called carweol and cafe stole, which I feel like have been named for coffee because. <laughs> they've been found in coffee and they contribute to the bitter taste as well but they're also good at uh, preventing and battling cancer cells although linked to raising cholesterol so you know oh man swings and roundabouts roundabouts. that's right but i mean this is this is the thing we yeah we are literally making a soup of chemicals when we have a, a cup of coffee in the morning um and uh see where it takes us from there yeah and i'd say as well i mean as much as you can sort of say oh no but i go and get my coffee from you know, single origin sourced, blah diddy blue diddy blah, and it's ground in the shop by, I don't know, pure of heart infants and whatnot. It's still going to be different on a chemical level every time. That's every right. time. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Which makes sense because how many times have you been to a coffee shop and you're like, oh my gosh, this is delicious today, and you go back the next day, it's not. It's weird. It's weird the next day. Same person, same conditions. What's going on? Well, we're going to explore the effect that uh, a barista can have on the coffee in mm. just a moment and all the sorts of things. But, look, let's have a little bit of music. Uh, and and this, this song choice, inspired by the coffee we were drinking when we were planning this episode. Um, Planning's well, a loose term. <laughs> we needed an excuse for coffee, and here yeah, we are. That's true, that's true. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, inspired by one of the local blends called Black Betty. Uh, this is Spider Bait with... Black Betty. Black Betty there from Spider Bait. Also a wonderful coffee blend from one of the local Canberra roasters. <laughs> We're quite good at coffee here in Canberra. Um, there's a nice variety of them. Um, but yeah, that was our choice for that song. Because today on Fuzzy Logic, Broderick and Phoebe are in the studio with you and we are talking coffee. 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 <laughs> That's right, that black stuff. Um, well, actually, that's the interesting thing about coffee is is black or brown or whatever color, color it is. I, I quite like my coffee uh, reasonably light in color um, <clears throat> because I, I don't let it uh, brew too long and I prefer the light roast because you get much more flavor out of it and I like those interesting fruity flavors that you do get. Uh, and I got told off when I caught a, a taxi recently because there was a Turkish taxi driver in there and he asked, is that a cup of tea? I'm like, no, it's coffee. And he said, that's not coffee. Oh, wow. <laughs> you got told. Yeah, yeah, because, of course, the Turkish uh, have uh, quite thick black coffee uh, when they drink it. And, and so they get very different flavors 
from it when you're having that much blacker coffee. You get much more of those bitter tastes through that almost tend to be overwhelming um, and don't allow you to get those uh, those nicer, well, not nicer, that's a relative term, but those lighter, um, um, fruitier flavours that you get from all the phenolic compounds in there. So thicker as in more viscous, they're... Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, wow. I, can't, I can't tell you. Or I know with the Turkish coffee, you, you, you kind of mix the, the coffee and the water, put it over a stove top and heat it up that way. Um, that's oh. the, the method of, of making it. Uh, but I don't know why it's thicker. I think it's probably because they leave a lot of the coffee grounds in there, um, which is uh, makes it a very different coffee. Uh, and I guess that's the interesting thing about making coffee is there's lots of different ways to do it as well. Uh, Indonesians uh, are renowned for what's called muddy coffee. Uh, and, and basically what they do is they pour the very fine coffee grounds, they put a, you know, a teaspoon or so in the cup, pour the hot water in and then drink it as it comes. Uh, mm. So it means you end up with all the grounds in the cup, uh, which is quite uh, different to how we drink it, uh, and it can settle out in there, but they don't use any of these fancy machines or anything like that to make their coffee. They just drink it muddy. When I was in uh, Vietnam recently, their coffee is huge. They're actually the second largest exporter of coffee in the world. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they they grow two different types of beans. So the one that we drink a lot of here in Australia and most of the world is Arabica coffee. Um, but in Vietnam, they also grow Robusta coffee, which is much, much stronger. And... I. I enjoy coffee. I wouldn't say I drink it. I'm not one of those people that drinks it every day, but I I did in Vietnam and I was pretty much shaking the whole trip out of (laughs) coffee because, you know, you want your iced coffee and they do it in a range of amazing ways. They did a coconut coffee, which which was delicious. It was uh, like an iced coffee sort of slushy, but with coconut milk and uh, condensed milk all put through it. So it was like a coffee coconut coffee slurpee essentially and super sweet as well with your condensed milk (laughs) yes so regular coffee they put condensed milk in which is divine but so naughty Uh, and then there was another place where i had egg coffee egg hold on like did you just do a double take he did a double take yeah what's okay so like an egg mixed with coffee so So it's it's your normal like long black in the cup and then they crack a whole egg into a bowl and whisk it up with um, a bit of condensed milk and some contro to sort of keep it all together. So they some whisk contro, it. So some early morning alcohol as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then so that all stays together sort of like, a, like an uncooked meringue kind of texture, sort of sticky, thick, frothy, foamy. And they, they pour that on top and you sip the coffee through the egg foamy stuff. And it's delicious. That does sound uh, yummy-ish. I guess it's a bit it like... It sounds egg- yummy when I describe it. But yeah. when I said egg coffee, yeah, I, was, I think I you threw up in your mouth a little bit. Yeah, just a little... <laughs> As we've established earlier, I like my coffee black. Black That's coffee right. is good. Well, it's black coffee underneath. Uh, yeah. But eggy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the, yeah. So w- you were saying uh, there's two different types of coffee, too, the uh, Arabica and the, the Robusta. Um 
So that was the interesting thing that I, I was learning was that we only grow uh, Arabica coffee in Australia. That's the only one that works over here. Uh, but the inter- other interesting thing I found about coffee is the uh, botanical family that coffee is a part of, which is uh, Rubiaceae, is uh, other members of the family uh, in there include uh, the ch- chincona, which is where we get quinine from. So quinine Ooh. is uh, a natural malarial drug, but it's also what gives tonic water its flavour. Uh, which I'm starting to understand potentially why I like gin and tonics as well as black coffee. They, they, it feels like these two things might go together quite nicely. Yeah. I thought it was just the bitterness again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm doing well today. <laughs> well, look, before the break, we did say we were going to look at uh, why uh, coffees taste different from the same place and, and that sort of thing. We're going to look at the effect of the barista on the coffee and, and what things the barista can actually change. Um, Other than putting chocolate powder on the top. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and we're also going to ignore the milk here too because the, the barista heating the milk can have a huge impact um, because uh, milk is uh, made up of fats and, and proteins and if you reach the point above about 70 degrees where you boil the milk, uh, then that starts to denature those proteins inside the milk and give it a completely different flavour in there and uh it's just horrible <laughs> so so in, in reality that is one of the big skills coming from baristas is is knowing how to heat the milk if you have a milky coffee um because that can really change it um but in terms of the coffee itself there are a few variables that the barista can control Ooh. yeah what, what do you think these are phoebe what do we got uh how much they put in the this is my technical term. The thingy that they put the powder in and then they stamp it down. Maybe yeah. how hard they stamp it or something or how much they put in there. Okay, so yeah, yeah, how hard they stamp it and how um, that will definitely uh, affect it a little bit. It's not one of the big four variables, but yeah, it can can make an effect because the, the... So I'm still right. Clo- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, the closer it's packed together, the way the water goes through it and that sort of thing. Um, and I guess what that's going to change is the, uh, the pressure of the extraction as you're pushing the water through. If it's not stamped down nice and tightly then uh, it's just going to sort of float the coffee in there and be a, a horrible goopy mess rather than passing that water through under pressure which uh, changes the way the the chemicals are extracted from that um the the other thing that you can also look at there is the coffee to water ratio so how much coffee you've got in there compared to the amount of water you're pumping through uh and uh, you can look at uh, extraction time as well. So how long it takes for the water to pass through that coffee uh, can change things because as you're extracting uh, things from uh, coffee, uh, the, the different chemicals come out over different time periods. Uh, oh. So one of, the, one of the first chemicals to come out of a coffee is the caffeine. That comes out really early on. You get a big spike of caffeine to start with, and then it just sort of trails off. So no matter what, uh, you're generally going to get most of the caffeine out of the coffee beans uh, when you're extracting it. Um, from there, the next thing that comes out is the volatile oils. Uh, so, and that's what gives coffee its flavour and aroma. But it does take a little bit longer to extract than the caffeine. Um, so, you know, you, you, you reach your peak uh, about, it takes about twice as long. And this is all relative because, of course, it, it depends on how long your whole extraction is and that sort of thing. But, how long the line is, are yeah, people, yeah. you know, tapping their toes. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, you get the volatile oils peaking 
much later coming out of the coffee when you're extracting and then the 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 latter uh thing that's come out is the organic acids that come through um and then uh, right at the end, you're, you're also getting a lot of the bitter compounds too. Uh, so one of the things that I remember uh, being told when I used to do coffee in the little stovetop, uh, they have a proper name, um, and I'm going to forget what they're called. I'm scrolling down to try and find it. The mocha pot is, is what it is. So it's sort oh. of um, uh, a little Italian-style coffee jug. So you put uh, water in the bottom of the jug, then you screw on the top, you pack, your coffee in above it and then uh it has a little spout that comes through and so basically you put your the water part of the the small kettle on the stove that heats up it then becomes steam and gets forced through the coffee above it um and then as it comes out the coffee uh spills out uh with the extracted coffee uh on top and then you pour that out at the end um but one of the things I got told by a local barista when I was using that to make my coffee was right at the, you know, you, you get to a certain amount through, you've got most of your coffee out, but you don't want those last bits coming through because that's when all the bitter compounds are coming in. So he said to dip the bottom, which is not where the coffee is, but where your water steam is being created, into cold water to stop the process immediately so you can stop those bitter compounds coming through at the end and just have your nice flavoursome coffee uh, being extracted. Oh, wow. Wait, do you mean those sort of silver-looking teapots? Is that what you mean? Uh, Yeah, sometimes silver, sometimes black. Uh, They're kind of, you know, two-part. They're often hexagonal or octagonal in shape. I thought those were just old-timey kettles. I had no (laughs) idea that was a whole other method. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's a, a method of brewing coffee. Well, in fact, look, I'm, I'm going to jump here to different methods of brewing coffee because there's kind of uh, four major ways to, to make your coffee. And, and so one of them is brewing using pressure, um, which is what we do in our espresso machines that we have in in the shop um, and what you did in that mocha pot as well um, and what you do in an AeroPress, which is a, a commercial product that I use to make most of my coffee, um, is, is you're basically extracting the coffee under pressure. So what you do is you have your coffee. It's generally pretty uh, tightly packed into the machine or into the mocha pot, um, not so much in the AeroPress, but it gets there. Um, but you pack the coffee in and then you force water through that coffee. Um, and so rather than just letting it naturally go through by um by forcing it through uh you get a faster extraction time um which changes the the amount of chemicals you're getting through you're not necessarily getting through those bitter chemicals that come out after a longer period um and uh you're getting a a more intense coffee generally too which is why we use the espresso machines for most of our, our coffee making um because that's uh that's the the sort of flavors that we're after the the quick uh Quickly done, um, but gets you that nice intense coffee shot. Uh, putting it under pressure there with the, with obviously the hot water as well. So there's definitely a bit of heat, but the pressure is the key element there. Mm. Um, versus some of the other methods, so you could brew using steeping, uh, which is more like how you make a cup of tea. Really, you put it in the hot water, you let it sit about for a while, and the hot water extracts the uh, 
the chemicals from the tea or the coffee. Uh, More instant coffee, I'm guessing that would be. No, no uh, not so much instant coffee, but coffee bags or the French press, which is, you know, plunger coffee. Right. Um, that's, that's the steeping method. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's probably one of the most longest standing methods of brewing coffee. You know, plunger coffee has been around forever. Um, and it's... Uh, forever. Forever, yeah. That's right, <laughs> since day dot. Um and so that's that's pretty common. Yeah, you just uh, you know let it sit in there. One of the problems with uh, that method is it's really easy to make weak coffee, and it's also really easy to make um, uh, to let it go too long, and you'll be uh, drinking something that's far too bitter and horrible. So you know there's there's a bit of uh, technique in there at getting the right timing, um, but you know pretty easy easy way to make coffee for a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, the next method is filtration or dripping. Uh, so drip coffee, pretty common throughout the US, um, those sorts of machines. Um, but those sorts of machines just kind of tend to extract the coffee forever and ever and ever, um, which is why you just end up with horrible, horrible coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas now um, there's... Uh, uh, Fancy coffees, fancy Starbucks. places that are yeah that are using um, uh, pour over uh, methods, uh, which are literally where you pour the water over the coffee, as the name implies. Um, but uh, but that's sort of letting it drip through. But if you do it in the right way and do it over a shorter time period, you can get some really nice coffee flavors coming through. So it's kind of like the first method, you know, brewing under pressure where you push the water through the coffee, except in this case, you let the water naturally uh, do it at room uh, pressure. So you just let the water go over the coffee and that extracts the the chemicals from the coffee bean that way. Um, So generally you might use a bit more water uh, as you go through that uh, than an espresso machine to extract the uh the bits from the coffee bean um but uh but it is what's really trendy at the moment and you seem to pay two dollars extra if you want to pour over coffee from a coffee shop uh which you know there's some it's some positives about it they have to pay someone extra for tilting their arm a bit more to sort of pour it over at the end or do you have to do that no 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 they do it for you but i guess the other thing is it takes longer so it does take three to five minutes to do that versus a, an espresso machine, which would take about probably 30 seconds to extract that coffee. Um, and then you add the milk from there. So, In your opinion, does the long wait make it taste better or you just think it does because you had to wait longer? <laughs> um, I prefer I prefer a pour over coffee for drinking it black um, because I think you get much more all those interesting flavours that I like rather than the the. the bitterness of a dark black coffee mm-hmm. um so i i do like a pour over um uh, but yeah i don't like paying extra money for it <laughs> and also i use an aeropress because in the morning when i'm making my coffee i don't want to stick around for five minutes just pouring water over coffee to make it mm-hmm. i want it done in about 30 seconds so i can get to work i want it to be done in 30 seconds yeah. but i want it to taste like it took five minutes that's right that's right <laughs> i you know Um, First world problems. Indeed, indeed. Uh, And then the the final method by brewing coffee, which we talked about a bit earlier, is is brewing by boiling, um, which is what uh, Turkish coffee does. Or the other version of this is the cowboy method, I've heard, which is literally just, you know, imagine what you do over a campfire. uh, Eat spoonfuls of instant coffee and then pour the water into your mouth, shake your head and swallow. Well, it's it's, it's also, I'd call it, as well as the cowboy method, the Indonesian method, where you boil your water, you add the coffee... 
and then let it settle down and pour it into a cup and you still end up with the coffee grounds in the cup um, there. But, you know, that's just brewing by boiling. You boil the water, you get your coffee. Um, Don't cowboys chew a lot of tobacco as well? I mean, it would be much of a muchness having all that sort of coffee debris just flowing through your teeth. Well, that's true. And look, the good thing about um, coffee uh, is uh, that uh, it does settle out to the bottom generally because it's a bit heavier. So as long as you drink your cup reasonably gently, you don't end up with too much debris in your mouth. Uh, but I yeah. don't see cowboys drinking it very gently, do you? No, no, Like riding true. on a horse. <laughs> well, I don't think they do takeaway coffees. They don't have cowboy keep cups that they can <laughs> ride along with. I don't know why I find that so funny, but I do. <laughs> I, I think there's a Photoshop in that, isn't there? A bunch of cowboys riding along holding keep cups in their hands. Environment is number one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, there, there is a, a whole lot of different ways you can make wait, the wait, coffee. Wait, wait, wait. What about the elaborate one that you see set up some places that drips so incredibly slowly, the cold... Cold, cold drip. Or something? Is cold that, is that so, pressure or is that filtration? That's, or is... that's filtration or dripping. Right. Um, so, so again, uh, rather than using uh, hot water, they use cold water. Um, and one of the things they do there is they keep the cold water on the coffee for much longer, um, because as you know, as I'm sure you'd know, when you're uh, dissolving things in water, uh, things dissolve much better. Like if you're adding sugar to water or or Milo to milk, for example, Milo dissolves much better in hot milk than it does in cold milk or well, it doesn't really doesn't dissolve at all in cold milk it just kind of sits on the top doesn't it yeah then you get that delicious spoonful of crunchy half dissolved milo uh, deliciousness and that's wonderful and that's what you <laughs> want in that case um but uh, but when you're extracting things from coffee beans you want to dissolve those chemicals in the water to get those flavors coming through um so that's that's what they do with cold drip is is the reason it does drip so slowly is because they want that water to stay on the coffee to slowly extract the chemicals. It does also mean you extract different chemicals uh, in different ways, so you get a slightly different flavour. Um, a lot of the acidic compounds that you uh, get from coffee, you don't extract when you're using cold water, um, and so often cold drip coffee uh, is much um, uh, much less acidic, uh, and you, you get much more fruity flavor, uh, fruity flavors through, and, and some of the chocolatey flavors too in the cold drip stuff. Depend, excuse me, depending on the the bean uh, that you're mm. using. Yeah, so I, I like cold drip coffee. In in um, in uh, summer, I'll do. I won't do cold drip, but I'll do cold brew, um, which is basically the same thing uh, but different uh, so rather than having it slowly drip into a thing using expensive machinery I basically coarsely grind coffee put it in water for 24 hours and then pour it through a filter to filter out all the, the, the coffee beans um, and just end up with a nice uh, cold brew coffee So do you have to pay more for cold brew because it takes so long at a shop? Generally I think that's why it's so much more expensive. Uh, mm. I don't actually know the answer to that one, um, but I just do it at home, which is much, much cheaper. So how much would you pay for a cup of coffee normally that you would buy somewhere? When I go out? Mm -hmm. oh, uh, what's, what's your most upper limit that you would pay for a, a one cup of coffee? Um, well, I have paid uh, $6 for a cold brew mm -hmm. but it was bubbled with nitrogen oh yeah 
So that's a whole other domain. Yeah. <laughs> and and so this is this is another another sort of coffee here. You put it. Um, uh, you, you do the cold drip coffee and then uh, put some nitrogen, uh, generally done with a bit of, uh, or put nitrogen in it under pressure so it becomes like a fizzy coffee, um, but but not quite, not so fizzy as you'd think. Uh, so if you imagine the difference between beer and Guinness, mm-hmm. uh, so beer is carbonated with carbon dioxide, Guinness they use nitrogen gas to uh, to bubble it, and so you get the much smaller bubbles, the much smoother taste through it, and that's that's what they often use for cold drip coffee is nitrogen bubbles through it. So it gives you that um, that that smooth sort of bubbliness to it. Do you know what would be faster? Put your coffee in a soda stream. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try it. Believe me, believe me when I say the labels that are say only put water in this soda stream. You're right to follow those labels because uh, it makes a big mess if you put anything else in it, just quietly. <laughs> Not worth okay. experimenting with. That's right. So the reason I was asking what's the most you'd ever pay for a cup of coffee. Oh, uh, yeah. So there's an Asian coffee known as Kopi Loak, which undergoes a peculiar pro- process made from coffee berries eaten by the Asian palm civet, which looks like a cross between a cat and a possum. And so it passes through its digestive tract with the beans eventually harvested from their feces. And this is one of the most expensive coffees in the world with bean prices reaching around $160 per pound or $30 per brewed cup. That's, that's pretty expensive for something that's been processed. And it's quite mm-hmm. interesting because the, the processing through the stomach is like an acid wash, really. Like you think what's inside our stomachs is just acids and, and that's basically what's happening um, there with the, the civet, which is kind of crazy. Although, just to take an aside conservation message here, um, because civet coffee became so popular, they now kind of have like battery civet farms oh. yeah so if you are buying kopi luwak when you go over to indonesia make sure you know where it's coming from uh because you want it to to be naturally harvested from the the civets rather than a battery noting that it's still coming from the backside of it but yeah, look, anyway. they do they do wash it uh, <laughs> after it comes out well it sounds like you might like it it says that it's a uniquely rich slightly smoky aroma and flavor with hints of chocolate oh, yeah so, I, I, I can't say i've tried it so i'd be, I'd be curious thirty dollars a cup yeah so there's a coffee that's even more expensive than that which similar process it passes through an animal can you guess what <laughs> animal that is well, I feel like it would, I mean, unless it's really strange, because the, the copy Luak came about because the the civets uh, were eating them in the wild, um, you know, and then people were, were, I don't know why they went for the poo in the first place, um, but it, it was a natural thing that was happening. So I'm trying to think of other animals that would be living around coffee beans. Um, and uh, is it some sort of bird? Is it a, mm-hmm. no. It's in Thailand. It's in Thailand. What do they have? Elephants. Yes. No way. Yes. <laughs> so black ivory coffee beans are fed to elephants whose digestive enzymes reduce the bitter taste of beans collected from dung. And these beans sell up for up to $1,100 a kilo, Whoa. which is the most expensive coffee. Uh, and it's 50, 50 US dollars per cup. See, I feel like that shouldn't be so much more expensive because I feel like elephants produce a lot more dung than uh, not small as many elephants, would. though. Perhaps that's true. That's true. Maybe that's <laughs> and maybe over. the elephants don't even like them. They're sort of come on, <laughs> eat the bean, eat the bean. <laughs> like you were saying, do, would elephants normally be attracted to eating these 
coffee berry bean things? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, from my understanding, elephants eat a lot of peanuts, but <laughs> they're purely circus elephants. Yeah, and I can't uh, imagine that. I mean, they do eat a lot of uh, a lot of different plant-based things while they're mm. out there. So I suppose if they're living amongst coffee, they, they might be eating it too. Yeah. I don't fifty dollars. US dollars? I can't, what's that in Australian? Like $65? That's, that's about $65, $75, yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, expensive stuff. All right. We're going to have a uh, short song break here and come back with the last few interesting things we can find about the science of coffee. Uh, look, this isn't a song about coffee, but it's a song about something else that people like to consume. This is Kilter with their cover of the Muscles song, Ice Cream. Ice cream there, covered by Kilter, featuring Nari in with them too. I think we could just change that song to Coffee, couldn't we? Coffee is going to save the day. I think that's fair. Just change every mention of ice cream in that song to Coffee, <laughs> coffee. and, you know, we did our yeah. job. Hooray! Yeah, people fighting, pushing you around just for Coffee. Yeah, Pretty much. That That's a regular weekday morning <laughs> at any right. coffee shop. That's right. Well, and so at any coffee shop, we talked a lot about coffee shop coffee, but what about instant coffee? Because that's what about it? super consumed still. Many people do prefer instant coffee to uh, to cafe coffee. Not necessarily majority, but there are many out there. And I was curious to see what instant coffee actually is. And did you know instant coffee was actually invented in New Zealand? Really? Yeah. By a guy called David Strang of Invercargill in 1890. And he produced the instant coffee during a spray-drying process, uh, kind of like the process used today to produce powdered milk. Uh, so he used to roast and ground, grind the coffee and then uh, extract it using water at around 80 degrees, then filter that, concentrate it under a vacuum, um, so just taking a lot of the excess water off, almost creating like a coffee cordial, um, and then spraying it through a nebulizer, so breaking it down into small droplets into a hot airstream. And so that process produced a fine powder, uh, and you'd end up with an uh, average particle radius of about 300 micrometers. Um, so that's, uh, that's a pretty, pretty fine uh, powder there, you know, uh, almost, so what's that, point, point 0.3 of a millimeter uh, each, each powder, so, you know, barely visible. Um, wow. Now today, most instant coffee is made using a freeze-drying process instead, uh, using uh, the sublimation of water, so changing it directly from uh, solid to gas under vacuum. So they place frozen coffee on metal trays in a drying chamber, and then the entire chamber is placed under vacuum. Chamber is warmed using infrared radiation or by hitting the trays using conduction, so running some heat through those trays, and then the water vapour is removed by condensation, and the chunky coffee granules are removed and ready for packaging. That sounds like how they make all food for space. You know how they do that whole process? <laughs> the, the free stride, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pretty, pretty similar. I mean, I guess in that case, they're taking out the water, though, to replace the water later. Um, in this case, uh, yeah, the water vapour is removed and the chunky co coffee granules are left behind. I guess it's kind of the same thing, hey? Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about the difference between instant coffee and roasted coffee, though, is simply the number of chemicals in there. 
so when you have instant coffee, you're losing a lot of those uh, volatile uh, flavor compounds that we get in uh, a, ca- a cafe coffee from the espresso machine straight from the beans. Uh, and so the, the complexity of the flavor just isn't there. You get the major chemicals, so you still get the caffeine, which is actually pretty similar in amount to a cafe coffee from instant. Um, and you get a lot of those coffee flavors that stick around, but you don't necessarily get those interesting fruity flavors uh, or, or, you know, chocolatey, the ones that they, they give you in tasting notes for coffee. Um, they don't stick around. You sound like a marketing person, like, don't buy instant coffee because you don't get all the fancy flavors of coffee well, shop coffee. I mean, it depends what sort of flavors you enjoy, like complex flavors like that. Not necessarily everyone enjoys. Some well, people do like to keep it simple um, in their in their coffee uh, so, or in, and in general tastes as well. So it's, it's just kind of interesting there. So just quickly, because you were saying about how both instant coffee and coffee shop coffee have the same amount of caffeine, essentially. Yeah. Um, I was just going to quickly talk about how, how caffeine works in our in our heads. Um, uh, so it's a central nervous system stimulant and it's the world's most widely consumed psychoactive drug is caffeine. Um, and so <laughs> this is my basic way to explain it, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, in your brain, you've got these... Um, Little little responders that uh, soak up adenosine, which makes you really tired. So you'll you'll soak those up and you'll feel sleepy. And what coffee and caffeine does is it tricks your receptors into taking the caffeine rather than your adenosine. So all the caffeine hits onto your little receptors and you feel awake and you feel ready to go because you're you're not getting the ones that make you sleepy. Um, but having said that. The more coffee you drink, you know how people would talk about, oh, you know, I have to drink, you know, three cups of coffee to get me through the day, whereas before I only used to have one. So your body is then putting out more receptors to try and suck more more in, and you've got to drink more coffee to fill up those responders, so more caffeine. Ah, now that's really interesting that uh, that happens because, it. I mean, that's that's how so many drugs work. Like, uh, they say it's the same as cocaine yeah, because wow. you also get a dopamine release as well. It makes you feel good. <laughs> so you're, you're having a cocaine hit every morning almost with yeah. your caffeine hit. Yeah, there. but with caffeine because it has a half, half-life. half So the first hour you'll get the full lot of caffeine. But, you know, as you know, the hours wear on that you've had the caffeine, it, mm. it halves in terms of effectiveness, which is why, you know, hours after a coffee, oh, you're ready for another one. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. The, the way that that looks and I guess the the response there so we, we do have to be careful with how much coffee we mm-hmm. consume and limiting it so we don't go too overboard uh, there but yeah I certainly know that feeling like I used to be a one cup of coffee person and then when I started making my own I'm like oh, I can do a second now because I'm not paying four bucks a cup <laughs> <laughs> or 50 bucks a cup or 50 bucks a, yeah no I'm not getting that expensive beam. <laughs> that's like Beyonce levels yeah. of drinking coffee yeah no I, I don't think I could uh, do, do $50 a day uh, uh, or you know, two cups makes a hundred. <laughs> it's just uh, ridiculous. Uh, well, that's that's really cool to, to know. So you know, caffeine is having a response in your body, but uh, like most drugs, uh, use responsibly. That's right. Yeah. And I think that comes back to those health effects that we were talking about at the start of the show too. You know, coffee does have positive health effects for sure, but as with most things, we have to use it responsibly. Don't go too crazy. Everything in moderation, everybody. Indeed. Uh, except fuzzy. You can have as much fuzzy logic as you like. Oh, that's right. In <laughs> fact, scientists say it's like really, really good for you all the time forever. Indeed. You can catch us again on our podcast, fuzzylogic on 2xx.podbean.com or download it from iTunes. And you can also keep up to date with us on Facebook. 
But that just about wraps it up for our copy episode. Copy? Our coffee episode. <laughs> Have another one. <laughs> yeah, I think I it's will. time. Well, thanks for joining me this morning, Phoebe. Thank you. And thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, this has been Fuzzy Logic, your science on a Sunday.